the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, December the 10th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1817, Mississippi was admitted as the 20th state. Today in 1869, women were granted the right to vote in Wyoming Territory. Today in 1905, the O. Henry short story, The Gift of the Magi, it was first published in a New York Sunday World magazine. People loved it. It has become a classic, as you probably know. Today, in 1942, Ford Motor Company stopped production of cars. Some of the others followed very quickly. That was because of the war and the war effort. Steel was needed for the war. Today, in 1964, MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., he received the Nobel Peace Prize. As he was handed the uh, prize, he said, and he accepted with these words, he said, with an abiding faith in America and an audacious <laughs> faith, I had to think of Barack Obama, audacious faith in the future of mankind, I accept this. Some of our abiding faith in our government has been shaken Recently, in the last few days, as we've seen the misuse of power, not by Donald Trump, but by those who accuse him. This politically motivated impeachment has shaken many people in America to the core. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in a moment, but the House Democrats this morning unveiled two articles of impeachment against President Trump. They say there's more to come. We'll find out during the course of the day. They say that they have to impeach him. They have no choice for the sake of America. They're impeaching him over his contacts, they say, with Ukraine. They are charging him with abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, the faces that you've seen on television nonstop over the last couple of weeks, they were all gathered in front of the cameras and the world. And they made fools of America. They're continuing to do so. There is an impeachment process that our founders put in place for real crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors. This isn't it. I'm not saying this because I support the president. I do. I could not have supported Hillary Clinton. I never would. But I'm saying this because there's an abundance of evidence, of truth, that supports it. These three amigos who really, really know they're probably not going to win the next election. They stood together in front of the world and they said, quote, Today in the service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country. The House Judiciary Committee is introducing two articles of impeachment 
charging the President of the United States of committing high crimes and misdemeanors. Jerry Nadler, flanked by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff, the guy that didn't show up yesterday at those hearings, had somebody else, a staff guy or somebody, read his report. That's pretty pathetic. I'm going to be talking more about this tomorrow as things develop during the course of the day today. As you know, this program is live, so I don't know what's happening as I speak because I'm talking to you right now. But I'll be looking into this more, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it and put a little put a little more of it into perspective. So we'll be coming back to that, as I said, tomorrow. But we'll proceed on some of the things related to that today. But I... I came across a, an article in Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter is widely read. It's probably one of two or maybe three most widely read kind of uh, industry journal that comes out of Hollywood. There's a podcast that has recently become available and people have become aware of it. A reporter for the Hollywood Reporter, that's the name of the magazine, they were talking to Bill Abbott. Bill Abbott is with Crown Media Family Networks. They're not important except that they own Hallmark. Hallmark channels, I mean, there's Hallmark cards, but the Hallmark channels and the Hallmark movies have become, and all of the the programs that they're now developing, has become really a um, a household channel for many, many conservatives and many Christians, simply because... The programming on Hallmark is, some of it's a little bit corny. I know we watch it in our home here, and my daughter's and my littlest, youngest granddaughter, she just loves those movies, and she always locks into them when she can. And I think many people across America do, because Broadcasting Cable Magazine said earlier this year, their headline said, Hallmark is the indisputable leader in cable television. If you exclude news and sports, that would be like Fox, like MSNBC, CNN, they have more ratings, higher ratings than uh, Hallmark does most of the time. Sometimes, though, with specials, Hallmark will beat some of the news channels. But if you exclude news and sports, Hallmark is the most watched cable channel in America. All of those, I don't know, three, four, five, six hundred, however many there are out there, a bunch of them, Hallmark is the leader. And the industry recognizes that. In fact, they call them the indisputable leader. Well, this guy from The Hollywood Reporter, he's interviewing Bill Abbott with Crown Media Family Networks. And he asked them, he said, would you ever be open to featuring movies that have a homosexual theme for Christmas? or any other time of the year for that matter. Abbott said on this podcast, I don't know, it may be something that somebody cooked up. I don't know, but I I think it sounds kind of real. So Abbott says, and I don't know how much influence Abbott has. I just became aware of this yesterday afternoon. But Abbott says um, about the production company that does these movies for Hallmark, he said, well... He said, we're open to any movie of any type of relationship. I understand that a decision at this point certainly hasn't been made. So, I mean, there's don't panic. But the fact that that conversation was 
had, and his response. Now, maybe he's just trying to avoid, you know, getting picketed and and boycotted and all that kind of thing. So he's kind of sounding like, well, yeah, we should talk about this when he really isn't going to do it. I don't know what's in his head. I'm just making you aware of this because it isn't out there yet, but it will be. And as I said, Hallmark, is, his, his response was very vague to me. I mean, he's either trying to sort of pacify these people so they won't come after Hallmark, as they have Chick-fil-A and all these other people. But boy, I hope this isn't another failure on the part of a, of a trusted entity as Chick-fil-A has been. They're a disaster. The more Chick-fil-A talks, the more disgusted I become with them. And if I feel that way, there's got to be a millions of other people because I'm just Gary out here on the edge of, the, of America in the Northwest. But Hallmark is watched by millions of Christians. I think if Hallmark is seriously considering this, they owe Christians and conservatives some kind of clarification on this because who wants to sit down and watch an hour movie or two hour, whatever they are, and you know how they're going to end. I mean, they just go through, they fall in love, they have a some kind of a, an emergency in their relationship, and they get back together, and you know, and then they go to the next movie on home. I mean, pe- that's why people watch them, because it's trusted. I mean, they're not going to draw you in and then have a couple of men kissing up close on the screen or whatever. And that's the world we live in. Boy, I hope they don't cave to homosexual activists. And I would hope that they understand why the millions of people watch their movies. But some of these people become so um, encased in their own little bubble, they don't know reality. They don't know the truth when they look at it. But I think they need, if this is true, and if they're having those conversations, they need to clarify that with the American people. Michelle Obama was, uh, was on the Today Show with Jenna Bush, George W. Bush's daughter, and uh, they've kind of championed her. She's pro-abortion. She's everything we don't believe in. And I, I still want to believe her dad, George W. Bush, doesn't, isn't really a, a left lefty. I want to believe that. I supported him. Many of you did as well. I don't know. His family certainly doesn't buy into his conservative beliefs, if he holds them, actually. Anyway, former First Lady Michelle Obama says she thinks the U.S. can come back from this, she told Jenna Bush on the Today Show. She thinks we can come back from the impeachment proceedings involving Donald Trump, as she said. We've seen worse times. She was talking, as I said, to Jenna Bush. She called the proceedings surreal, said she'd watched some of it on television. But when Jenna Bush asked her if she thinks the country can come back from it, her quick answer was, oh, yeah. And then she went on. She said, we've seen tough times in this country. You know, we're, we've gone through depressions and wars and bombings and terrorist attacks, and we've gone through Jim Crow, and we, we've always come out stronger. She said, and that's why, what we have to continue to believe, because what's our choice? To ball up in a corner and call it a day? Well, that's not fair to the next generation that's coming before us that are counting on us to get it right. Despite the impeachment proceedings highlighting an apparent political divide, the former First Lady emphasized that we must become unified. Her message to Jenna on the Today Show was we've got to get unified. And that seems to be 
uh, kind of a good thing, kind of a positive thing. She said it's not about one party. It's about the nation coming together. Michelle Obama said it's not an us or them. It's not an R or D, Republican or Democrat. We are all here as part of this country. We all want the same things. It's just sometimes that gets lost in the noise. I got to tell you, that really struck me. That is the personification of the message of the left. It's a lie from from the beginning to the end. We don't want the same things. That's why the country's divided, Mrs. Obama. Coming together means something very different to her and the millions of people that walk and march to their drumbeat. It means something very different than it does to conservatives and biblical Christians. Our goal is not to come together. Our goal is to serve God and have the freedom to serve God and to worship the Lord and to have religious freedom and freedom of speech and be able, and a florist be able to say, I don't want to make flowers for a so-called wedding between two gay guys because that offends my conscience. That's it. I don't believe in that. Biblically. That's what we want. That's not what they want. They want to enforce a far-left, secular, progressive, perverted, often, agenda on America. So when she steps there with this elitist, you know, demeanor on NBC, and NBC is feeding her like, you know, like crazy, I mean, setting her up with all these questions, Jenna Bush. And when she says, we all want the same things, no, we don't. We don't want the same things. Millions of us don't want 300,000 plus abortions. We don't want abortions to be called women's health care. We don't want Planned Parenthood and gay rights organizations running sex ed classes in our kids' public school classrooms. We don't want marriage to be redefined because it can't be. God created it between one man and one woman. We don't want homosexuality and lesbianism and transgenderism and all of these other perverted sexual behaviors to be normalized, celebrated, and taught to our children from age kindergarten through college. We don't want that. It isn't noise, Mrs. Obama. That's what we believe. It's a biblically-based belief. We don't want our religious freedom redefined, as your husband tried to do, and Hillary Clinton, to be called freedom of worship and relegated to a church building somewhere on the corner of Oak and First. Yes, we do worship God in our churches, hopefully. But I want to tell you, religious freedom, religious freedom is more than that. And the left would have you believe that, they, that if they will give you freedom of worship, you can go to your place on Sunday or Saturday or whenever you go and you can sing your hymns, and you can preach your sermons, and then you go out, but you better shut up when you walk out of that building. Because otherwise, if you have beliefs that run contrary to the secular progressive message that's out there today in America, we'll get you. And I'm not overstating that. Baronel Stutzman would tell you. Collins, the baker in Colorado, he would tell you. I'm not overstating it. If you break their moral codes... Now they have laws in place to punish you and punish you deeply. Freedom of religious expression, a country that embraces the timeless and absolute Judeo-Christian values and principles that this nation was founded upon. That's what we want, Mrs. Obama. We're not going to put that aside so we can all just come together. And our beliefs are not noised. Other than that, I have no opinion this morning. Boy, that bothers me when I hear these people say that. 
I don't hate these people. I hate what they stand for. And I'm pretty sure I'm on the right side of that because Jesus saw similar offensive things in the temple when he went in there. And you know what he did to the tables? He didn't hate those people. God loves all people. But he sure dispensed with the trading and the bartering in the temple. We need voices like that in our culture today. What's the matter with us? Thank you for supporting me in this program. Most of my life I've been in a pulpit or a lectern preaching and as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as a music pastor for a few years. Music is very important to me. It was very important when I was younger. In fact, I considered a career in music, but we went a little different direction because God began to speak to my heart as a young man and Others had been suggesting to me, family members, grandmothers. I come from a long line of Christians, solid Christians, who all migrated out to Washington State from North Dakota and Nebraska and wherever, on both sides of my family, my mom and my dad's families. But when God spoke to my heart, it turned my life, and I've spent my entire adult life in the ministry. Some of you are new listeners. I just want to tell you, my heart is filled with love, but I'm not going to capitulate to as long as I have a voice. And if I don't have a voice, I still won't capitulate. Nobody will know it, but I won't. God will know. But I will tell you, I'm very passionate about this because I see what the left is doing to this country, a country that was uniquely, uniquely blessed by God from the very beginning as people came, imperfect people, for sure they were imperfect. The founders, they weren't, I mean, Ben Franklin, I don't know if, where he's spending eternity. I mean, he, he really had some mixed up views on a lot of things. But they recognized the, the essential elements of life itself that was based on biblical truth. And they really did found this country and frame our documents around the Word of God and God's truth. They really did. And many of you recognize what we're trying to do and you support. Man, I appreciate that. To Gary and family, Merry Christmas. We're praying blessings for you and appreciation of the job you're doing. I hear this often and thank you so much. I, we never get tired of it because there's a lot of other voices that speak to us. And I don't talk about that on the program, nor am I going to, but... Not everybody is, you know, on board with a conservative, biblical perspective on what's going on in our world today. Too many evangelicals are self-identifying themselves as evangelicals, and they take off and go to, a, I, I guess, an evangelical church, some that have been evangelical in the past, at least. And boy, I see them out there voting and stuff. I mean, they're voting for people who, well, I mean... Michelle Obama personifies, but she's not the only one. I mean, not her and Brock, but there's Hillary and Bill and all these people, and they run for office, and, and I see Christians lining up and voting for them. How does that work? I mean, what do you say to God when you put your head on your pillow? Say, oh, well, you know, I, I understand. I mean, I just hate Trump. I just can't vote for him. He's crazy. So I have to vote for whomever, Nancy Pelosi or whatever. 
I'll tell you, God, God's going to reckon with that. I don't mean that Trump's, I mean, like, he, he doesn't represent Christianity. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, you know that. But, man, can't we see, I mean, can't we see enough to make some right decisions? I don't think most of us evangelicals started out saying, yeah, I want Donald Trump when there were 20 people or whatever there were back in 2016. Man, I was looking at Ben Carson and, and Ted Cruz. All I mean, I had a whole bunch of first, you know, top line guys that I wanted to be the next president of the United States. But finally, you get down to the reality of the moment and the progressive just goes into kind of a trance. And I see too many evangelicals being pulled into that trance. And they go, well, I, I can't vote for him. Look what he's done. Well, you know, God could have said that of David, too, but he didn't. We just need to get it straight. We're living in perilous times. And your support allows us to, to make these claims. And we do so to the best of our ability. Based on the word of God that is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will never, ever pass away. So thank you for your support. If you're a new listener, man, we need you. <laughs> we do. Step up and join us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. The effort to impeach President Trump is well underway, as I said a few moments ago. We'll be talking more about that tomorrow as I have a chance to take a look at some things. As I looked at what was going on in this thing, I haven't watched it all. I mean, you can't, nobody can handle all of it, I don't think. I, I mean, even Jerry Nadler went to sleep during his, and he's the chair of the hearing. And he was sitting there, the, the camera caught him sleeping. His head was down, his mouth was open, his eyes were closed. I guess he was asleep. I don't know. He looked like he was. Late yesterday afternoon, Senator Lindsey Graham gave a press conference. I wrote an article today that features that, and I talk about how impeachment will end, and I want to leave that with you today to think about until we um, connect again tomorrow morning right here at this same time in this same place. But late yesterday afternoon, he gave this press conference. It was It's 19 minutes long. And I mean, we live in a one-minute society. I understand that, but I included that. I embedded it in the article that we published today. It's at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website, and that's the the base for our, our ministry, my ministry. And it's faithandfreedom.us. If you go there, the first thing you'll see is this article. You'll see a picture. It's on, it says C-SPAN. It's a, a it's a grab picture off off C-SPAN uh, network. And so uh, you can watch that whole thing. I know 19 minutes is an eternity in today's culture, but you, you need to take a look at that. He really sets it straight. But let me give you a few highlights about that. I thought of, when he was talking, I thought of a poem. I, I like poems. Uh, I don't write them, but I like them. My grandmother wrote a book of poems. I've read a couple of hers on the air here, and we always get a lot of response. Uh, so anyway, T.S. Eliot wrote this poem is called Hollow Men. It's a famous poem. It was written during a very dark time. It's a dark deal. I'm not going to put you through some dark stuff here, but it was written, just get the context of it. 
It's a long poem. I'm just going to give you a couple of lines from it. But the poem begins with this. We are the hollow men. We are the stuffed men leaning together, headpiece filled with straw. Alas, our dried voices, when we whisper together, are quiet and meaningless, as wind in dry grass or rat's feet over broken glass in a dry cellar. Then he continues, shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. And then this poem, and as I said, it's long. Then it ends with this line. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. His dark poem culturally defines what's going on in our political world today. How appropriate. Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Lindsey Graham, as I said, gave a press conference, but he was talking to Fox over the weekend. It was Sunday. He said the House is conducting an illegitimate impeaching pro, uh, proceeding, and I think it's going to make a quick end in the Senate. That's what caused me to think about T.S. Eliot's poem. It's not going to end with a bang, not the bang that the progressives want. They hate Trump. They can't beat him in, a, in, a, in an election, and they know it. So they want to destroy him before the 2020 election. In fact, Graham said it's possible that he, he he's chairing the, the committee that will decide, lead the decision in the Senate, whether or not this impeachment is validated. If they vote for Trump and against the proceedings, Trump will not be removed from office. And I, <laughs> Graham is very definite that it's not going to happen. He said it's entirely possible we're not even going to call any witnesses. He said, including the witnesses that Republicans want to call. He said, the reason is, I want to get it over with as soon as possible. It's a fraud. As chairman of the Judicial Committee, I would say that he's pretty well in the driver's seat. He said, there's two ways this can go. He said, in a trial, you can have the president present a a defense to prove, in fact, that maybe Ukraine was interfering in our election. And he goes on about that. And then he said, or he said, we could have a trial, and he said, but I want to get this over quickly because he said it's it's a bunch of nonsense. He said, is he is, is the president, you know, can he bring in people to test, testify? And Graham said, of course he can. But he said, I would just say, he said, quote, when 51 of us say we've had enough, the trial's going to end. And he said, that's going to happen very, very quickly. The president is going to be acquitted. He said he may want to call Schiff or Biden or Joe Biden, Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or whatever, but he said, here's my advice to the president. Graham said, if the Senate is ready to vote and ready to acquit you, you should celebrate that, and we can look at all this other stuff outside of the impeachment. He said, you can even, he said, you can't even get a parking ticket on an anonymous allegation, but that's what they're doing. Elliot also said in his poem, Between the idea and the reality, between the motion and the act, falls the shadow. We're living in shadowy times. People are operating in the dark, in deception. But I want to tell you, there is a God in heaven, and he loves all of us, but I will tell you he loves the truth. And the closer we can get to the truth, the closer we are to God. Pilate looked right at Jesus Christ and says, what is truth? And I would say that characterizes a lot of people today. They're looking right at the truth and they either purposefully close their eyes or they are unable to discern the truth. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. That's the day in which we're living. We must be informed. 
So thank you so much for your support. We need it. I thank you for it. It means a great deal to us. It allows us to keep talking. I'll see you right here tomorrow.